What happens at laser tag never stays at laser tag. Laser. Laser unfocused tag talk. Laser unfocused tag talk. I feel like you could be like in Ghostbusters or something. Like oh my god, you have got some stories. Let's talk about laser tag. Who knew you were a laser tag legend? Time to get laser unfocused. Tag talk with Tivia. Welcome to Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Hi, I'm Tivia. The U.S. Armageddon Laser Tag Tournament is a multi-system, multi-site, competitive event to challenge laser tag players in a variety of systems and game formats. I'm being joined by the captains of the 2023 teams to hear their thoughts and predictions about this year's upcoming event. So we have a unique opportunity tonight to talk with the captains of all of the Armageddon 2023 teams. And I want to welcome all of you guys here. Thanks so much for taking some time. I'm just going to introduce you. First of all, um, we've got for the consultants, team captain, George Raptus Icarus. Hi, George. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. And representing Depends How We Finish is their captain, Sean Cope, a.k.a. Cope With It. Hey, Cope. Hey, excited to be here. Glad to have you. All right. Plausible Deniability is captained by Will Dibovec, a.k.a. Slayer. Hey, Will. Good evening. And Not In Charge Captain Scuba, a.k.a. Uh, Steven Strickland. Hey, Steve. Glad to make it. And Church of Lurch. Unfortunately, uh, Captain is not able to be here. That's Travis Doerr. But we do have Logan Lockhart, a.k.a. Baby X-Files, standing in for him. So, hey, Logan. Hello, everyone. All right. Well, I'm so glad to have all the captains here and we're going to have some talk about the tournament and what we're going to be expecting. But beforehand, I'd like to really just start by having everybody introduce your roster and maybe just say a quick word about who you have on your team, where they're coming from, what their area of strength is. And um, we'll kind of just go in that same order. Um, so for the consultants, George Raptus, who have you got playing with you and what can we expect? All right. So besides me, we've got uh, Mark Rout. It's Double O Fat Boy. He's been on my team multiple times, and one of the guys that came to the first Armageddon with me and has been there since the beginning, pretty much. Uh, he's traditionally a laser quest player, but I believe he's picked up most of the systems pretty well because of how long he's been playing. Uh, next up, we got Ryan McFate, Cool Cat. He is uh, a Storm player from my original store. He's been with me since almost the beginning. I think he's Second place for most of them are again behind me. Uh, he's a Storm player, but he's been playing so long again that he has uh, pretty good experience in all these other systems. Uh, he used to be, you know, by me in Ohio, but now he lives in Wisconsin. Uh, next up is Tyler Carmen Reflex. He is a Laser Storm player from Pittsburgh. Um, last year was their first Armageddon, so we brought them back, him and uh, his teammate Mike, we brought them back this year for this Armageddon. They are both current national champions for Laser Storm, uh, which brings, brings me to Mike Wagner, Creepin' X, uh, again from Pittsburgh and the current national champion. Uh, he, last year was his first uh, Armageddon as well. And last year, both of them came, but they were both alternates, so... Um, one of them played the first half and the other one played the second half. So they haven't really got to experience the whole Armageddon or to play on all the systems that we've been playing on. Uh, next up is Richard Kester, Clueless. He is another Storm player from Pittsburgh. And he has been on, I guess you would call it the Storm team for Armageddon for many years. Um, but he has taken really well to all the other systems. So he's a very experienced player in all the other systems as well. Uh, next up, I have Rochelle Gillen. 
Uh, her nickname is Lenari. She's another Storm player from um, Pittsburgh. She's recently moved to Cleveland and pe- plays at my center more often than not now. And she has played in quite a few Armageddons with last year. Uh, she was on the winning team. She took first place at Armageddon. Uh, next up is Martin Gillenstein, if I'm saying that right. Uh, his nickname is Swaz, and he's one of our uh, Swedish players. He originally from Sweden, and he moved to Dallas a few years ago. And he used to come to Armageddon on the Swedish team, and they just came in and obliterated everybody because they're just they're fantastic teammates and they're really good players. And so I picked him up for my team this year. He's played on my team multiple times over the years. And finally, we have Skalt Alpeter. Uh, his nickname was Havoc. He was on the winning team last year. I believe he was the captain. And he was going to put together a team this year, but decided not to. So uh, at the last second, I was able to pick him up to round out my team as the alt. I think uh, he is originally a Photon player, though now he's more, uh, well, most recently a Tron player. We've got a very nice lineup there, and uh, we wish lots of luck to the consultants. And next, let's hear a little bit about depends on how we finish. Hope, who have you got? Yeah, so it's a mostly new player team. We've got five players that have never participated in Armageddon before. Uh, We do have a bit of experience between myself and the Brit. The Brit is a UK QZAR player that's a the leader of Armageddon over there in the UK and also been to countless uh, US Armageddons and is one of the best players in the tournament scene. And then we also have one player that's got one year of experience in Terrence, uh, Ninja Gangster. Uh, he is a Michigan Blast player. So unfortunately, Blast isn't included this year in Armageddon, but good to have his experience coming back for a second year. Then we've got five new players. So We've got two Tron players in Grim, which is Ben, and then I am Greg, who is um, Joey Greco. Then we've got a Force player, Jackal, which is Ryan Vollmer, and then a Zone player, Lone Wolf, who is Jeff Keller. And then finally, we've got Neon Green Flame, who is Corbin Raptus, George's son. Yeah. Very good. So you've got a very strong um, representation as well, even including some uh, some new players. So lots of luck to depends how we finish. Plausible deniability. Will, who is playing on your team? So I've got a bunch of players that I've played with uh, for a couple of years now, but I wouldn't say that I know them well. Um, but we're we're working on that. Uh, a couple of new players this year. Uh, well, actually, sorry, uh, two three new players this year. Um, so we've got uh, Josh Axtell, uh, Axman, and his wife, Rachel, Mama Bear, and their daughter, actually, Madison, who is nobody, uh, is her code name. Uh, I've also got Cecily. Uh, she's a longtime Armageddon player, tag player, uh, many, many years, uh, code name Sakura. And then I have Brendan Smith, who joined me last year, as well as uh, Axeman joining me last year. Uh, Brendan Smith's uh, tag name is Fenrir. And then I have uh, the father-son duo Brayden Yoakum and Jared Yoakum. Papa Smurf for Brayden and Grumpy for Jared. Uh, I believe Jared played last year in Armageddon, but was not with me. Uh, As far as I know, this is uh, the first year for his son. Uh, and then again, first year for uh, Madison and Rachel as well. So um, 
I have played uh, played a lot of force with uh, Josh, Rachel, and Madison. Uh, very good players. Very good players. Very. I'm I'm excited to see how how they all play play well together. Uh, I played against. I believe it was against Jared actually at one of George's tournaments. Uh, one of the Storm like minis, um, at George's place. Um, very impressive. So super super happy that he joined me. So and uh, Brendan actually plays a lot of force with uh, Josh and Rachel Madison as well because he goes to the same force arena. So all around, I'm looking. I think things are looking pretty good. So very good, nice solid team for plausible deniability, which grew so large, drank its milk, and uh, expanded into a whole second squad. So that brings us to Scuba and not in charge. Scuba, who have you got? So this year we've got Cassidy, whose code name is uh, Waz, and she's a trombone player from New York. Uh, played with her last year as her first year, and her boyfriend Chris, whose code name is Cookie, also a trombone player. Uh, we have Emily joining us again. Uh, she is Shadow Dragon, also a trombone player, and Havoc, uh, which is her boyfriend Sean, and he's a trombone player also. And then Ski Patrol is coming back. That's Dave. He's originally a quest player, but pretty much cross system. And then we also have Ricky uh, joining us. He's Dark Angel, originally Photon, then Quest and everything. And also we have Dallas, who's Sandman RD, who's I think originally Photon and then Tron, and now everything. And we've got you also as uh, our zone force. Bringer, the laser tag orphan who goes around and plays anything anywhere. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Very good. So that's our team not in charge. And um, so, Logan, can you speak for Church of Lurch? Uh, yes. So we have our fearless captain, uh, Travis Durr, uh, the Jaeger King. Uh, he is a laser quest player. Uh, we also have the ever famous uh, Greg. Uh, RNT, our resident Qzar importer, Qzar player, all around a pretty decent player. Uh, we have Nathan, Nathan Aztec, uh, the owner of, uh, owner of, and I'm going to butcher this, is it Kinetics? Kinetics. Kinetics. Uh, a foresight. Um, he is originally a Storm player uh, and been playing Armageddon for quite some time. Uh, Bill Cooey, Jabber, uh, dark like player originally, but a storm convert. Uh, Stefan Lowe, uh, Lurch. Honestly, the only person on the team I don't really know too much about his backstory. I played with him at one Armageddon, uh, probably about like six or seven years ago, and that's all I know. <laughs> uh, Ryan Pellet, uh, the Fiesta, he is a laser quest player as well. Uh, and then Cody Collins, uh, from Syracuse, he is a laser force player joining us as well. Very good. So what I love about the teams this year is it sounds like there's a really nice mix, different system strengths and uh, a, a lot of new players. So this is going to be interesting and I'm looking forward to this. And let's just talk about tournament time. Now, this year it is all about location, location, location. And this route is going to start with Kinetics in Bellport, Long Island for Battle Company Tactical, Laser Force, QZAR and Laser Force all in one day. 
Then the second day will be Laser Alley in York, Pennsylvania for some Delta Strike. And the third day, Ultrazone Ben Salem for Zone and the works in Wyoming, Pennsylvania for Lasertron that final day. So let's pick that apart. And this is just roundtable. So anybody feel free to jump in uh, with some thoughts. But what does everybody think of running four systems back to back for one massive day to start? Likes, dislikes, pros, cons, or is this why it's called Armageddon? It's going to be a long day. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a long day playing all four systems for sure. Uh, I think Nathan's got a really unique arena setup where it can be divided into two separate arenas or be combined into one larger arena. Not sure what the game plan there is, if they're going to split it in half for some of the systems or if all of the systems are going to be played in the larger arena. If anyone knows that, that may be a good thing to talk about. Last I heard, they were still deciding whether Storm was going to be full arena or a partial arena. So I don't think the decision has been made yet. Uh, but it, this isn't the first time we've done four systems in one arena. And like Sean said, it makes for a very long day. You're the same place for a very long time. And you're going in games back to back in multitude of systems. Do we like this? Do we have mixed feelings? Uh, I like it in the sense that it gives us more days with things to do because we get four systems done all at once. So we're going to have another day with one system and then free time. But it can be really long and drawn out that first day. So it's it's kind of a – it can go either way. I do like the end result that we get, but it can just be for a very long – and we don't always uh, – previously we didn't have food arranged for properly, so it was kind of like, oh – hey, we've been here for eight hours already and we're going to be here for another six. But what are we doing for food? So things like that can be a little bit, a little bit taxing. So yeah. have the captains heard about food? Are we going to have to fend for ourselves or is there a plan? Not that I've heard. Okay. So I have similar... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but Nathan has a restaurant, right? No. Oh. No, I think he does <laughs> delivery from somewhere. Okay. Well, down in that area, they all uh, do the Uber Eats, so we'll, yeah. none of us will starve. I'm sure Anybody we'll else have opinions, though, on the course of that day? Things, pros or cons Sim to it? Yeah, Sim similar to George, it's it's going to be dizzying because of the amount of time that we spend there. Um, it can be advantageous, though, uh, during the games because you are playing the same arena. Um, so, like, your sight lines and the way, you know, uh, tactics can sometimes be similar. Um, and uh, a lot of a lot of tag in, in any place is, is knowing the arena. Knowing it better than your opponent can give you a huge advantage, uh, all th other things being equal. So, pros and pros and cons, but it, yes, long, long day. So, especially if the food question has not been answered, so... Uh, that is true, but it's in, important not to lean on your knowledge of the arena too much. It's happened before where we've had, uh, I think it happened in XP Legisport, where we would have the Tron, or, I'm sorry, we played Photon, followed by Storm. And the Photon guys were uh, very confident that they would do really well on Storm because they knew the arena so well. And that was not the case. So, mm -hmm. yes, it is an advantage to know the arena really well, but don't rest your laurels on that. <laughs> I think it's also... Interesting that it's a newer site. Uh, most of the players in Armageddon don't consider this their home site. So whether that advantage for players that are familiar with it is gone by the end of the day in the last system, or if it even has an advantage at that point across the different systems. 
It will be right. interesting. And as a player who has been there before, I can say that because the theming is fairly consistent all throughout, you don't have uh, reference points to call out the way you might in, um, for example, an arena with, um, you know, at Ben Salem, you can call out the color points or the different base things. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of get bearings for everybody, even those who have played. It's, uh, But it's a very cool arena and uh, I think a very unique space for what we're doing this year, um, which of course includes the importing of systems. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Importing of systems is kind of a unique element to Armageddon that is completely driven by the players who have such a love for these legacy systems like Qzar and Laser Storm, and they've figured out how to keep these systems alive and move them around as needed so uh, we can play even when there isn't a site available. And uh, this might be a place to start with Logan. Maybe you could speak to what goes into making these systems workable, because I know you're very much involved with that end of it. And also, everybody can maybe speak up as to you know what you think about that. Is it still worthwhile, even with the occasional bumps and hiccups? Um, but what goes into moving a system into an arena that it wasn't intended for, or uh, not intended for, but as much as just not uh, not organic to, I suppose. Yeah, so, you know, there, there's a multitude of things that go into it. You know, first, it's getting game software that was originally designed, as particularly in least LaserStorm's uh, fact, that it was designed in, what, the 1997, 1998, you know, trying to work on a modern laptop to be able to import it into a system, or into a particular store. Uh, on top of that, it's also the wiring aspect. Um, every system's a little bit different. A lot of the newer systems are wireless, so we don't have as many issues. But with something like LaserStorm, we're running, you know, effectively RJ11 cord all through an arena, trying to find drop points, trying to find power outlets, things along those lines. Um, for those of you that have played Armageddon before, you know that in my LaserStorm setup, I've made like little boxes that light up so you can see where the energizers are at. Uh, I have my bases, which are effectively like plastic tote containers that light up when the bases are going off. Um, and then I also have, have gone as far as uh, kind of piloting what George does at his site with having uh, mobile screens inside the arena so you're able to see the score as it goes on. Uh, in some systems, you know, you see it on the back of your phaser or the gun. Uh, other systems, there's a scoreboard up on the wall, or if we're old school Laser Force, they just read it out to you. Um, but of course, also the unique challenges with some of the systems, uh, particularly Laser Storm, is, is that it's designed to be played on a divided arena. Uh, and that's always the challenge that we have with Armageddon is are we able to divide Storm into a proper arena that the Storm players would play on? Or do we do it as an open play, which kind of you know is its own thing? Now, I know Nathan had intentions of uh, being able to play multiple systems right from the get-go in building this and took those things into consideration. So uh, from what you've seen of the map, does this arena lend itself a little bit more easily than maybe some others that we've tried to import it to? Uh, I think that he's done a good job of laying out the arena. Uh, of course, it's kind of a, as we talked earlier, I think it's going to end up being a game day decision on how it's ended up being run. Um at least from talking to Greg, it appears that we think it'll be easy to set up in terms of like where the energizing points are going to be. Uh, but in terms of if it's going to be playable, divided yet, that's kind of still up in the air. Okay. Well, 
as for uh, the rest of our panel here, what do you think of the idea of bringing in systems? Is this something that, you know, is really favorable to keep these systems alive? It helps uh, with a lot of the players that come from those systems to have something to look forward to for that event. So, like, I know there's a lot of Storm players playing in this one, including my son, who's on Sean's team. He knows Storm really well, but he'll be fairly new to the rest of the system. So that gives him something to look forward to. It gives him a reason to go. Uh, many, many years ago, when I was trying to import Storm into well, XP Laser Sport, we were doing it then, um, half my team, because I failed, basically. I, I did get the system running. It was, uh, I, we, I couldn't make it work. And my half of my team was really, really upset saying things like they, you know, they wouldn't have come if they knew that this was going to happen. Uh, so we've tried really hard in the subsequent years to make sure that either we know from the get-go we can't do it, so we're not going to say that we're doing it, or we make sure that it happens properly um, just for that reason. Uh, now, do you get the full experience you would if you played it on a, a center that had that system? Most likely not. It could be different on Nathan's arena because, uh, like Logan said, it was set up to do multiple systems. But more often than not, that's not the case because while Storm can be played non-divided, in fact, most centers out there are not divided anymore, uh, the tournament players that play continuously uh, play our tournaments on divided arenas. And it can be very difficult to take a standard traditional arena and separate it in half in a, in a feasible way where you can play good competitive games. We did, however, just do that last year at our national tournament in Utah, where the center was a non-divided arena, and we went through there and made it divided. It is, however, something very difficult to do on paper. So even with last year, we couldn't make, we couldn't figure out a design until we got there and said, "Oh, here's how we should do it." Same thing is kind of happening now. We're hoping Logan get up there a few days early, see if he can figure out a way to do it. If not, we might not be divided this year. Well, on behalf of the tournament community, I applaud you guys for being able to do all the technical end to make that so. Because I know for me, uh, when I was first uh, experiencing Armageddon, it was my first time touching a storm pack, first time experiencing Qzar. And uh, I think that it's really wonderful that we have these opportunities to go outside of our comfort zone. And that's what's really cool about having uh, these players from all different systems. And uh, and some systems that you might say we don't have any particular base in the scene, which leads us to uh, several of the systems uh, that we have played have formats already established that Armageddon uses, but not all of them. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about the game formats and what we know of what will be incorporated for Delta Strike, for Battle Company, and though Lasertron is uh, more familiar, there are choices there. So do we know anything about how we're going to be uh, doing a game format for Delta Strike at this point? We were actually just we were actually yeah. just talking about this today in the in the Amin group. Uh, we don't know what options are available to us right now. There's a Delta Strike close to me that we've been to a few times, but it's not the pro version. The pro version is the one where you have access to all the game settings so you can change stuff. The hardware is the same, so the game the guns can play the same, but we don't have access to play with all these features that it has uh, for that. We know a few things. We know that when you're hit. Your, your packs have a certain amount of armor. So when you're tagged, the armor level goes down, but you're still able to play. And so you don't go down until your armor is depleted. 
And uh, from conversations I've had with Travis today, um, getting tagged doesn't earn anybody points. It's deactivating you. So you've got somewhere between two and four hits worth of armor uh, that you have to go through before uh, the opponents can score a point on you. But if you get out of the line of fire and hide uh, after, let's say, one or three hits, depending on what the setting is, your armor comes back up. So after a few seconds, you're back to full power again. And I don't know if Delta Strike will have bases. Uh, this is actually a brand new install we're going to. This is a center that's getting Delta Strike installed days before we get there. That's exciting. And they're actually they're actually going to have, I think, 16 player units, which our Armageddon games are eight on eight. So we're going to use all their packs. And Delta Strike is being courteous enough to send four extra packs uh, just in case anything happens. But the packs will definitely have that new pack smell. They'll be fresh off the assembly line. But the bad side is that the local people running it, the, the center, isn't going to have that much experience with the system itself. So we're going to be kind of leaning heavy on Delta Strike. We're actually trying to get in contact with them right now to go through these things and try to figure out how the whole thing is going to work. So, no, we don't really know what we're doing yet for that system. Well, it's terrific that there's some manufacturer support in trying to bring in something new that hasn't been a staple of Armageddon. So um, what do we think of that? Um any opinions on uh, playing Delta Strike as a, a fairly new system in the mix? I think it's kind of exciting, if I'm being honest. I, it's one of these systems that has been around for quite some time. Uh, we've never, I don't think we really have any formal Delta Strike players uh, in the U.S. Armageddon scene. Uh, and they seem to have always been receptive. Uh, the couple of times I've been to IAPA and have talked about it, they've always been like very engaging, like when are you guys going to go? When are you guys going to go? When are you guys going to go? So I think it's fantastic that we're finally taking the leap, uh, especially with the route that we have um, in some noticeable uh, missing systems this year, such as Blast. So I think it's a good compromise for everyone. I agree. Any other thoughts on that? The only reason we haven't included them in the past uh, has mostly been because we haven't had room. Uh, there's been, you know, we only have so many days we can run this tournament in, and there's always all these systems that all the current players want to have, and we don't have any current Delta Strike players. So there's nobody there pushing for their system saying, hey, let's make sure we include this. So the opportunity to add it this year is great. I always, I love having neutral systems where nobody knows what's going on. It really tests the player's ability to adapt to something new, to figure out what's going on. So I'm really excited to play something new this year. Well, I agree with that. And I think the same might be said about Battle Company as our tactical system. So uh, I didn't hear anybody mention tactical players on their rosters. What do we think of uh, Battle Company? And do we know anything about the formats we're doing there? We've had a up and down experience over the last uh, few years with tactical systems. Um, some of them played outdoors where we had to drop the system because the arena obstacles were blowing away in the wind. Um, so tactical has been a mixed bag. I'm uh, unsure how it's going to play out this year, but I know we've got uh, the people bringing it in, our experience with it, former Armageddon players, former tournament laser tag players. So hopefully it'll work well this year. And I'm just going to say I'm referencing it as tactical only because that's how the Armageddon scene has. Um, I know Brian would much rather I, I call it modern laser tag. <laughs> But, but we're all referencing it as tactical and it's sort of the uh, the import with uh, a different kind of representation because we're doing headsets with 
the phasers only? There, there's no vests involved here. That that's correct. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Mark's system is the 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 head like the the ring that that goes on, and then and then the the phaser itself. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what we're playing. But right, uh, I'm a big big fan of the system personally. Uh, it just seems like something always goes wrong. Um, uh, not necessarily equipment related, but just like Cope was saying, just something's uh, always not right. So we've never had a good uh, solid experience all the way through. Sure. I actually feel that we've had some good experiences with this particular so, uh, system before. Uh, like, you know, Mark is bringing it in this time, and we've actually played this system because he had a location, XP Laser Sport, before. And we've played with this hardware at those places in Armageddon. So this isn't the first time this system uh, has been in Armageddon. And as far as I'm aware, when it's been at Mark's place, it worked really well. I could be mistaken. I've a lot is jumbled in my head with different tactical systems. And I'm happy to call this one just laser tag because I believe we've played at Mark's place, which was indoors. It was a inside location. We played at a place in Indiana, I believe. I believe it was in Indiana. And that was also an indoor system. Uh, so to me, this system is almost not what we would consider tactical. It is more of uh, just laser tag, I'll, I'll say. Um, but when we played in Indiana, I believe there were some gun settings wrong. At least that's what a lot of the players were playing about. Because when you have a system that's made for indoor and outdoor, you have to change the gun settings if you're indoor because it's too powerful. You're, you're, you're maybe playing in the sunlight and there's no sun to tamp everything down. So your, sh your shots ricochet off of everything and bounce everywhere. Uh, I personally didn't have a problem with it. I, I felt like yeah, the system was great. I loved playing it then. Um, but I do know that people did have problems with it. So uh, Mark knows how to deal with all that. He will have it set up properly. So it's another system I'm excited to play again because there's there's not too many players that have that as their home system. Though a lot of Mark's players um, from his center, it did close down a while ago. Um, but since he had that system there set up, a lot of his Tron players were playing there and started to get pretty good at it. So they might not claim that as their home system. I think they claim Tron, uh, depending on who the player is, they might claim photon but they claim that as their home system but they're very familiar with this so it's not quite what we consider the traditional tactical laser tag it's more of the systems that we're used to right using the battle rifle pro and so that will be i think a good experience to have all the way around and uh not that not that they come with this but i just making the point to uh, you've got you go from the new vest smell to no vest whatsoever between those two systems and so i uh, really changing things up and changing things style wise which brings us to uh, a system that has gotten a lot of discussion this year lasertron for various reasons uh, i know that there's been some discussion and has there been a landing on anything as far as the formats of that or anything we can speak about as to how lasertron is going to play out this year uh, so it was kind of up in the air because uh, we could not get a center locked in for quite a while. Uh, phone calls, missed calls, etc. I uh, finally got that all squared away. Um, the uh, R&T actually went down there and scoped it all out. Uh, the 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 faculty at the at the center um, they don't necessarily have a lot of experience with um, modifying settings or changing settings in the game computer, so. Um, it's kind of up to us. We're just going to have to play one of the stock formats. Uh, and what it's looking to be is going to be a uh, standard team base. Um, originally, they were going to have three bases on either side, and the site agreed to cover up two of the bases per team so that it's just 
one single base on either side uh plus player tags so and then you have uh you'll have modes going in uh i want to say hyperblast uh bonus and uh, i forget what the other mode is called so but i think we're just going to have three modes and then two of which are usable don't don't quote me on that um oh you might have spy mode as well uh so it might be three usable out of four um bases i believe are going to be worth 200 and player tags historically been 40 but we'll see how that goes it's kind of kind of be whatever the site has is what we've got when we'll, i don't expect that we'll be able to change any settings so or have the time to either so so a little so bit more standard I... than what we've tweaked in the past and uh so that might be an advantage to players who play at uh, more public sites perhaps yeah, it is definitely a newer version of Tron than most of the Armageddon players are used to, uh, especially a lot of the old timers. Uh, they're more uh, familiar with uh, shielded bases or shields up, shields down, as it's sometimes called, uh, where you have to tag the base, wait for the shield to come down, and then hit it uh, hit it again to score points. So um, older older tron versus newer tron is almost almost like two separate systems uh looks a lot of the same but the the way it functions uh is sometimes very significantly different so it plays more like chips than bases on bases off right Shields yeah up, yeah down. that's that's what we're gonna have is chips uh is chips with a uh, single base on so okay i love that by the way a lot of the a lot of a lot of the older uh, other guys that have been around for a while they don't love it actually a lot of them like the the shields up shields down um but i i personally learned on you know chips so that was to me this is pretty pretty common and and normal whereas uh shields up shields down was like wow what uh what are we doing here what's uh, what's the what's the scoop what's the what's the tactics well yeah the shields up shields down makes tron feel like many of the other systems it's just another laser tag the chips mode to me makes it feel very unique and different that's why i liked it but this you know i think the last time we played on lt12 we had the choose your own chips which was the new thing in the lt12 mm -hmm. but we used the chips that we were used to so energizer deactivator and stealth mode right this time the ones you just mentioned i've never heard of them before i have no idea what they are so this yeah. will be new new and fun for me to to play with yeah, so they're um so they've done away with deactivator because it was deemed too powerful. Uh, mostly, I mean, they're not yeah, wrong. yeah, mostly for um, public play reasons and stuff like that. Uh, uh, I, I think there's hyperblast and and rapid blast or something like that, and one of which is just you, you shoot faster. Uh, you know whatever they want to call it, so a rapid fire, etc. Uh, and then one is similar to deactivator. Uh, it, but it doesn't it doesn't completely drop a player on tag. It removes more health units per tag, but doesn't completely drop a player. So instead of just removing one health unit per shot, you're re re removing three or five, I think, per shot, something to that effect. Uh, some of it very depends on. How many players are in the match uh like if it's a huge you know like a 40 person match they'll make it more powerful um and if there's fewer you know eight ten people then they're they're gonna tone that down a little bit so but they'll also reduce the amount of available lives as well is typically how they run it here in buffalo it kind of fluctuates and flows so Okay. Well, it's interesting how the various um, different systems have all these choices and all these considerations that we have to uh, 
think about when we're uh, determining what will be played, which brings me to Laser Forest. And I'm sure Scoop is going to have an opinion on this one. So some say that Laser Force has the steepest learning curve for Space Marines 5, SM5, uh, because of the specific positions. And if you're not somebody who's familiar with playing SM5 specifically, it, it definitely can have that learning curve. So after years of being part of the scene and having some debate over SM5 versus Masters or maybe a more standard format, which side of the coin do you guys favor for playing Laser Force at Armageddon? SM5, 100%. Always SM5. No doubt. I, Same thing. SM5. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The learning the learning curve is 100% worth it because it, it, there's nothing quite like it. So and the same here. This, it's probably one of the most unique game formats that's out there. And then, of course, not to go too far off the rails, but once you know how to play that, it makes some of the other fun formats like D&D a lot easier to understand. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the first time we played Laser Force, it was in, I think it was Houston, Texas, for Armageddon. It was a three-level arena. It may, uh, it may have been. Uh, and it didn't use um, SM5. We just used the standard, whatever open play was. And it was like you hit three people in a row, and I think you got rapid fire or something. Uh, we did not do well on it. Uh, we did not like it. Again, like, like not playing Chips and Tron, it just made it feel like a generic laser tag system when we were introduced to sm5 i know everybody says it has a very big learning curve but we took to it very well it yeah it, it's it can be a little complicated but once you break it down into what you're doing what your roles are it becomes something you can understand and it made it a new game it made it something new and fresh and unique and again i like the uniqueness of the system like that that's why i really like uh, sm5 when we play force Wholeheartedly agree. I, I think that it's really cool that we're getting a mix of very different styles of laser tag, and it will be interesting to see who you know rises to the top with uh, with the best mix of all of them. And Zone is, of course, the only three team format that's being played in this tournament. So, how do you think that that might make for some interesting matchups? Uh, I've when we've played the three team versions because uh, we've done that in more than just zone before. I think we've played multi team versions in some form of Lasertron way back in the day when we played big tournaments for them. Uh, I never really liked having more than two teams in, in a game at once. So, same thing for Tron. So much of it depends on what is out of your control, what another team is doing to another team. I don't particularly like that, but. I mean, I'm in the minority. I know a lot of uh, all the zone players play like that. That's how they play the tournaments, and that's how it's done. So I respect that, and we play we play it to the best of our ability. I do enjoy the system, but the three teams kind of just throws me for a little bit. I am a fan of three teams because it is different than the other systems. Uh, yeah. Zone does their tournaments with three teams in the arena. It gives a whole different game set where you have to focus on how your team is scoring, how the other teams are scoring, and then changes up strategy much faster in the games uh, because there's so many people moving around, so many different things to focus on that it just makes a completely different game than all the other systems with just two teams in the arena. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a very different game. So uh, for that uniqueness of it, I do like it. I suppose I can't get my head around it, so it's hard for me to, to, to really understand 
what I'm supposed to do in the game when I feel like, you know, my, I did really well. My team did really well. Cool. We come out and like, Oh no, no, we didn't. We, we didn't do good at all. And yeah. so I just played an Armageddon. So it's not like I, I can experience playing it with the, the really good players and, you know, on multiple times all the time. Uh, but just playing an Armageddon, it is hard for me to wrap my head around, but I do like the uniqueness of it. The stun, yeah. stun, diac element also makes this very distinctive uh, from all the others as well. Each one has certainly their own traits. And so it's uh, it's kind of cool to be able to experience that because it's one other level of, of layer to what distinguishes one system from the next. Anybody else have any uh, thoughts on zone? It makes it a little more complicated when you're going from eight versus eight to eight versus eight versus eight. So you've got those that whole extra team to deal with and keep track of. I think a, a fun part about that is part of the strategy and how you separate your team into attacking and defense and roaming throughout the arena. You start getting into splitting players up into groups of three or two when you're on offense and defense. And it just opens up so much more strategy and so much more dynamic arena play with three teams in the arena. Mm-hmm. I I 100% agree with what Cope said is, you know, dividing, dividing out into two, two, three or four players and kind of, okay, you know, you're, you're doing this, you're defending, you're attacking, you guys just kind of float around, cause trouble, you know, tie people up. Um, I I think that's great, honestly, uh, versus you you just don't have that option in the other systems. Um, I also think it's great uh, because sometimes games are just unbalanced, like, and you're, it's sometimes it'll just be either, you're either you're dominating or you're being dominated and there is no in between where zone is kind of like, well, you know, you can kind of subtract, pull out and, you know, let the other two teams kind of go at it and just poke around and cause trouble and have fun instead of, you know, being completely wiped or, you know, or completely destroying the other team. I think playing with eight players on a team is also um, going to make a full arena as, as point was made, but um kind of opens up more possibilities for more defense while you're still going out and about rather than, uh, you know, spreading yourself too thin. So it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how the teams treat that and how they strategize. And uh, so we've got a very nice mix of systems here and a nice mix of ability levels. Um, so I'd love now to just kind of talk a little bit about um Armageddon and some philosophical thoughts on it. Would you all have an opinion on, would you rather play a route with largely familiar sites in a region where Armageddon players have likely played before? Or would it be more interesting to explore some sites in a region where maybe most players have not already played? We typically have had things uh, kind of hovering in the northeastern part of the country, but um, you know, maybe some of the players who've been around a little bit longer have some perspective on that. Well, I have been around a while, so I'll give a little bit of perspective on that. Uh, yes, I would love to go to places we've never been before. I would prefer that by far. Uh, however, logistically speaking, uh, it's very difficult to do that, to find seven or eight centers that can handle what we want to do, to, that have at least 16, if not 20, good working packs that are tournament worthy in a center that can that's big enough to handle eight on eight games. Uh, that's a very difficult thing to, to find. And in the early years of Armageddon, we had some very bad experiences with systems that just didn't work, that couldn't handle us, that uh, we, we just couldn't make them work. We, we end up dropping a lot of systems. Me personally, I'd like to take that risk. I would like to go to places we've never been before, take the risk on things that might not work out. If they don't work out, they don't work out. 
Um, but that's just me. Uh, and I know that having a quality experience can oftentimes be more important to people than new experiences. I'm on the other side of that debate. I would prioritize sites that uh, host tournaments for their own system. So this year we're going to Ben Salem, Philly for zone. They just hosted zone nationals there. Uh, the sites that we've typically been to in the Northeast and the Midwest have at least one or two centers that host their own system specific tournaments there. And I think that's something that we should be prioritizing over those new centers, just because there's reliability there. There's an established tournament scene players there. And I think that makes it a better experience having those trusted, reliable systems and centers. There, there's definitely something to be said for that, but you do get into the thing where we go to the same places all the time. Like we are in the Northeast part of the country and we haven't deviated from that since, you know, for a very long time. Yep. I'm kind of of a split opinion on it. Uh, I would, especially for newer players, uh, you know, I would want to make sure that they have a good, solid experience. Um, and, and part of that comes down to like cost, uh, I, I guess you would say. Uh, people, you know, hey, you know, the, the cost is 100% justified. Uh, you know, these are really great centers. Okay. Um, I, I'd say would almost uh, versus the flip side, I, you know, I would love to play at new centers, but I also think it would have to be, you know, we'd have to bring the cost down, you know, a little bit, a uh, little bit less risk there, uh, you know, uh, financially strapping times for, for everybody involved, you know, so it, we can be adventurous, but sometimes it's not a, not good to uh, spend a, a whole, whole load of dough on that. Yeah. I think and it also comes down to where people are traveling from. Because most of the players are based in the Northeast, Midwest, so it's a couple-hour drive away. Like, if we went to Vegas or something on the West Coast, everybody has to travel, increases your costs and possibilities of travel hiccups. Well, true, but we also open up the possibility of finding new players in places that don't come to us because it's too much of an expense for them. We don't have many people from Vegas or California. We we have in the past, but we don't have any players from there because we don't go there. We have a lot of players from the Northeast because we go to the Northeast. We definitely risk, if we were to go to California or Las Vegas, we would risk having a very small tournament because a large percentage of our current player base would not be able to make it. So that's a very valid reason not to go. But if we never do it, we're never going to grow. Well, and I'd yep. like to speak to that just because – I most recently played with a California team in zone. And um, ironically, I think I'm considered a Chino Hills player because I think I've played more zone site, more zone games at that site than anywhere else since the pandemic. So I was with a California team that had no issues with traveling for the experience to Philadelphia. But also I know that they are very active in trying to uh, cultivate some scenes with the zone uh, community out there with some systems that uh, are unable to be played uh, in this part of the, the country, for example, EXO. I I am a proponent of thinking outside the box as far as uh, finding new people to join the scene by uh, going to do to new places. And like some of the systems that come to mind, EXO, uh, Netronic, Laser Max or Laser Trooper, there are things that we are missing for the sake of geography. But would you be open to that if somebody decided that you know let's if, if a decision was made to explore a new geography what would you think of bringing in some of those systems that almost nobody from our scene might have touched at this point god i would love that all in 
I think I mean, having an established player base at that site makes that even easier. If they have a community, if they have members, that makes that process of bringing that new system in and justifying the travel out to that location even easier. Uh, if it, we're going in blind and just adding the system and there's no scene, no players for that system yet, it might not be worth it at that point. But focusing, maybe planning it two, three years out could start building that scene. So by the time we get out there, it has something to contribute in player base and uh, a ready center. I think there's something say, for bridging uh, the gap. It's just figuring out how to do that. Uh, I think Ricky is not here right now. So if I could speak for him real quick, the guy that runs the Armageddon tournament, uh, if if this option was presented to him, he would say they should run a mini getting out there first. That's that's his go-to to test out the systems and see, make sure they can do it and to find if there are the players there willing to make it happen. So if they had a small two-day event where they went to different centers and played a little mini getting, that would definitely go a long way toward convincing people to host out there. Mm -hmm. Point well taken. And I think having experienced some mitigannons, that those are just wonderful training grounds all the way around, uh, not just for experiencing different sites, but for new players to dabble and get their feet wet. So, um, yeah, point well taken on that for sure. So in that vein, I suppose, as far as, you know, growing the scene, I'd love to know from each of you, what is the draw for you? And perhaps speaking for your teammates as well, I mean, what is the draw that makes you want to play an event like Armageddon? Um, want to play from... against the best. Yeah. I, playing at your own home center, I mean, there's only so many, if you don't have a lot of transient population uh, or, you know, a, a huge pool of regulars, uh, it can get stale, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, and, uh, going Armageddon, I mean, it's, it's the best Tron I'm ever going to play anywhere ever generally for most years. So nice variety, new center, uh, the, the works. Well said. For me, I've, I've never considered a single system to be capable of growing too big because there just aren't enough players from a single system to do that. Besides maybe the zone players in California or Australia. Um, I always thought of Armageddon as the place where all the players from the different laser tags could come together to compete. So it always had a bigger base um, than any single laser tag system could have. So that's why I've always played it. Now, I've been playing since the year 2000. So what is this, 23? 23 years I've been playing. Now I go every year to see my friends because I've made so many friends along the way. But for people like my son, this is going to be his first year playing, he's going for the experience and to try all these new things that he's never tried before. He's played Laser Storm and a few other places that I've taken him, but now he gets to play on a at least somewhat competitive uh, format on a whole bunch of different systems that wants to try to taste everything at once. Love that. Cope, what are your thoughts? Uh, for me at this point, it's definitely about the people. I've made so many great friendships over the years playing in Armageddon and playing on these different systems. And so the people is the biggest reason that I keep coming back. I uh, love playing laser tag. There's a lot of competitive games, but uh, the people and the experience of Armageddon is what really brings me back. Yeah, I've got to agree with uh, Cope. It's the community and all the old players helping new players on the new systems that they're unfamiliar with. And just, it's a great community. 
Matt and I, and, Logan, and, and it's the same for me too, as I was sitting here thinking like, oh, you know, I go for the competitiveness, which that was the case when I started playing in 2010. But now it's just for the people. I've met people from every walk of life, all across the United States, all across the world. And it's just we're this tight-knit community that looks out for each other. And I just, at this point, it's like, well, I enjoy the laser tag. Uh, I might be sitting here right now uh, staring at my laser storm computer getting ready to panic about getting everything ready for Armageddon, but it's the people. That's why we come back. Definitely. Very well said. All right. Well, on that note, I think it's prediction time. And so I'm going to ask each of our captains here to make some predictions on paper, and uh, then we'll go around and uh, we'll we'll say the answers too. But uh, the one rule that I have for this is that uh, I'm going to put some categories to you, and you can select any team except your own. So write down, if you would, please, and show the screen what uh, team, uh, which of the other teams you feel this applies to. So everybody ready for their predictions? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to say three, two, one, and hold up your answer. Which team other than your own do you think has the best shot of being the first place team this year? Okay, hold those up, guys. And Logan, we don't have a visual on. So, Logan, I'm just going to ask you, which team other than your own? Uh, I would say the consultants. All right. We have another vote for the consultants. We have two votes for Church of Lurch, and we have one for Not in Charge. And I just did that wrong because you guys were going to tell me your own answers. So everybody tell me your own answer. George, what was your pick? Church of Lurch. Slayer, what do you think? Not in Charge. Scuba. Church of Lurch. And Cope. Consultants. They've got the most experience, and they've got a really good team this year. Very good. Overall, that was really practice. old. <laughs> well that was our practice round for holding up the signs and doing this match game style so next question is which team other than your own do you think has the greatest wild card player on their roster and give everybody a moment before i ask logan what do you mean by wild card player what do you think i mean by wild card player <laughs> <laughs> you can interpret that however you want I feel like Cope is in my head as far as what I might mean. Are we still, are we still holding these up or are we just going to tell you? Yes, hold them up for now so that we can at least see. And okay, Logan, what's your choice first? Depend how we finish. All right. And We've got uh, five new players. I have no idea what's happening. George, what was your answer? Uh, depends on how we finish because they've got five new players. I have no idea how they're going to play. Slayer, what's your answer? Uh, same agreeing with George. Depends on how we finish. Uh, just such a huge amount of new players. Uh, have no idea how that's going to play. Scuba? Plausible deniability. I think we had a couple of good small groups that are new, and it'll be interesting to see how they work together. Okay, and Cope, what was your answer? I went not in charge. They've got some newer players that play together quite a bit. Are a lot of Tron players on that team. And so if they can put things together and work together as a team, they could surprise some people. Uh, and they've got Ricky, who is a wild card by definition. 
Yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, he nailed that one, didn't he? <laughs> okay. I was. I will say, um, Slayer, you've got um, the plausible deniability has the Yochum uh, father-son duo. They've been coming to my center for Storm every week for the past year now. So there might be quest players, but they are going to surprise a lot of you guys on Storm. I'm looking forward to that. Super hard. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Which team's captain, other than your own, will likely have so much fun that they might not even make it into the arena on time? I mean, is that supposed to be... You can interpret it however you want. (laughs) Yeah. Will is taking a moment on this. And Logan, what would you say other than your own team? (laughs) Well, it's kind of hard on that one, but I have to (laughs) to go with not in charge. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll throw that to uh, Captain and not in charge. Scuba, what was your answer? Depends how we finish. All right. Now let's go round Robin. What are the answers from Cope? Uh, Travis. Slayer. Uh, Church of Lurch. George. Yeah, Travis, uh, the Jaeger King from Church of Lurch. I figured that might be a sweep. All right. Well, I always like to end with a little bit of rapid fire tag talk. And I usually throw out a lot of fast questions. But since there's five of you, I thought I would ask each of you to quickly give your answer to one question. So rapid fire. Here's the question. What is the best reason to play Armageddon? George. Oh, to meet all the new people. You're going to meet people from across the country and across the world. That's the great reason to do it. Slayer. Uh, both variety and uh, competitiveness. Uh, you know, it's like I said earlier, it's it's the best tag that you're ever going to play anywhere, I would say. Go. The people. Short and sweet. Logan. It's definitely the people, it's the systems, and to be perfectly honest, it's like three days of nonstop partying, so what can you complain about? Excellent. And Scuba? People and learning all the different systems and getting the experience from literally decades of tournament players all in three or four days. Excellent answers. And I want to thank all of you for taking some time. This is the first time we've done a pre-Armageddon podcast. I think it gave us a lot of insight. And so I am looking forward to seeing how things shake out and looking forward to seeing all of you at the event. And so best of luck to all the teams here at the U.S. Armageddon 2023. And thank you for taking some time with me, guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. Thanks for checking out this episode of Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Listen for more episodes on the first and third Friday of each month. Want to be a guest on an upcoming episode? Find out more and follow my blog and website at TiviaChickLovesLaserTag.com.